I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. And we're the hosts of the Madam's Podcast, where it's all about movies, minus the mansplaining. Every week, we discuss a film that fits into a quirky theme for the month. And there's plenty of bonus content on our Patreon feed, too. So if you're looking for commentary that'll make you laugh and think you found your new favorite show. New episodes of The Madams drop on Mondays, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Madams Pod, or on our website, themadamspod.com. Hey there, I for an eye family. We've had so much fun this season with all of you guys covering cases like James Holmes, the Farmville murders, and Michelle Blair, to name some of our favorites and most outlandish. We wanted to let you know episode 83, which drops on Halloween. We're so excited. That will be our last episode of season two. We'll be back in the new year with some exciting cases and new content. But don't worry, we won't leave you high and dry. Make sure to keep following us, Eye for Eye Pod, on all socials and our podcast, of course, for some special content during our little break. We love you all, and thank you for a great season. Due to the graphic nature of some of the topics we will be touching on, listener discretion is advised. Yeah, um, my name's... I just got passed by a silver traverse going southbound on Douglas, uh, probably every bit of 100 miles an hour. He was in my lane of traffic and then driving in. Um, Did you get the plate, sir? No, he passed me so fast. Okay, southbound um, on Douglas at where? Um, headed past uh, North Ave, headed towards Kalamazoo. So southbound Douglas at North? Yeah. All right, I'll I mean, you know. very... I mean, higher every bit of 100 miles an hour. Okay. Thank you. Yep, bye. Bye. 911. Yeah, I was just driving down West Main, uh, heading towards 131 for downtown. Uh-huh. There was a van going roughly 70, 80 miles an hour, weaving in and out of both lanes of traffic. Where, where are you at now? I am just about to pass Howard Street, still heading towards 131. And you're on, yeah. West, you're on West Michigan? West Main. Okay. Erratic driver. Wet area. Hello. We're back. Hola. We're back. Oh, yeah, we in this. Are you guys ready for a newly recorded fresh tape on a new episode that we have previously recorded? Of iFriendEye Podcast. I am your host, Lisa, and I'm here with my trusty co-hosts, Jules and Matt. What the best? What's up? You guys, we're here to talk about a case. Again, we're re-recording this. You've already heard us talk about this. Listen again. We have a new voice here, some new opinion. And also, this audio is not trash like the original audio. Because when we're back, season two, right now, we're going to fix that shit. We're back and better than ever. No more garbage audio from us. Only the best on a budget. But also be patient if our audio sucks. Yeah. If you're an audio engineer, can we hire you? That's worth your dollars. Because 
I, Lisa, am not, but here I am, the editor. Bear with us as we truck through this case. It's a doozy for sure. I bet you half of our listeners probably didn't listen to this episode because, again, the audio gave out in the middle of it. Don't even know what went through my brain when I allowed that to be uploaded. Here we are again. We got to re-record those for you to make sure that you guys are just getting the best from us. To talk a little bit about Jason Dalton, everyone here has been in an Uber, right? Yeah. Uh, and Matt is actually I'm a principal driver, as, I, as have I. Not as near as much as Matt. No, but it's a cool side gig. He still do that? I have not in a while. Really? I've been really busy. It's also cool that, like, one of the, this is not me, for anyone who knows me personally, chatting with people yet alone random strangers is not he's like definitely out of my comfort zone but people who like that like that element of an uber yeah like you're sitting chat like me i'm i'm gonna pretend i'm a <laughs> that's another story. i love chatting up with my uber guys i like i could talk to a wall we all know that here at eye for an eye everybody knows i could talk whether or not you are conscious in listening to me i will be talking but yeah so this case actually has to deal with an Uber ride. Let's get into it. Jason Dalton was raised in Greenfield, Indiana, and attended Comstock High School in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and he graduated in 1989. As of right now, that's like 32 years ago. That's how my brother is. He was born in 89. Shout out, Adam. But that's when he graduated in high school. Yeah. He was 18, right? You, you're 18 and you graduated high school. So, do you 18, 19, somewhere in that range? That's correct. After he graduated high school, he attended Kalamazoo, which is a word I just love to say. Valley Community College and graduated in December 1992 with an associate's degree in law enforcement, though he did not enroll in the school's police academy program. Interesting little tidbit there. According to an old friend, Dalton had tried to seek a job as a police officer in Michigan or in nearby states, but was unable to and had no interest in moving far away to find a police job. I don't blame them if you have your rights set on a city. You want to stay there. And if everyone's denying you left and right for whatever reason... Sanctions drawing board figured out. Right? Yep. Instead, he decided to study auto body work at Wild Tech in Laramie, Wyoming, and found work at a BMW office in New Jersey at one point. That's a pretty nice gig. I bet you get some nice commission on some BMWs, right? Anyone know? Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I have a couple of friends that have worked at car dealerships. Car, de- car dealerships. I don't know why I said that. But um, <laughs> we're having trouble. Car dealerships. Cadillac ship. It's a Cadillac ship. Today's going to be a struggle. Bear with us. It's all good. The work at the BMW office in New Jersey did allow him to get jobs as a mechanic and then eventually as an insurance adjuster. Cool. We're veer from a police officer, but here we are. Getting money, I get. Sometimes life takes you that way, Bills. Don't work as a driver for Uber to supplement his income during the first two weeks. An Uber representative stated Dalton had passed company background checks, and a former co-worker of Dalton's at the insurance company recalled seeing Dalton yell at a customer over the phone, slam the phone down, and pace around the desk angrily afterwards. It seems that even though Uber has a background check, that doesn't account for a personality check, right? Definitely can say they do not do that. (laughs) Matt would have never gotten the job getting. Matt has the best attitude for an Uber driver. That should be, that would be, like, interesting, though, to, like, to, like, have a personality check rather than, like, a background check. 
Because sometimes your personality is the wonky part of you, especially in terms of like Uber. They need to know if you're someone that gets road rage. Me. <laughs> Me. What? I don't. I'm afraid to get road rage. Definitely did a couple times with people in the car. At the insurance agency, he'd scream at people on the phone. His coworkers recalled this. That's an important little tidbit. It sounds like he had no shame in the way he was dealing with customers. It seems like if he was doing this out in the open, right? In an interview, another customer reported an encounter with Dalton in which he called him back over to re-examine a vehicle for damage that Dalton had missed in his appraisal. He described Dalton as an unprofessional and prone to anger. Very clearly on multiple accounts, it seems that Dalton was struggling with some anger issues, maybe some reach issues. Who knows? But very clearly, he wasn't hiding it, right? It was out in the open. His coworkers reported it. Customers reported it. All the above. Which is a little bit scary when you think about getting into this man's Uber, which we'll get into. Now, Dalton was married and he had two children. His family was living in nearby Cooper Township. And Dalton, though, even though his coworkers and some of his clients described him as a little rageful, he was generally described as a nice guy and a good family man. Though it was reported that he had been acting depressed in the days before February 20th, 2006. Maybe he had seasonal depression. I mean, who among us? I was going to say, let me just say we've all had days, right? Only people said they did notice that the generally nice guy was starting to act depressed. And again, the date that we're really focusing on here is February 20th, 2016. That wasn't a long time ago. This was quite recent. No. We're recording this in 2021 obviously, but if you're listening to this in the future, here we are. In the week preceding February 20th, Dalton had been questioned by deputies within the Calhoun County Sheriff's Office who are investigating a series of shootings along Interstate 94 and Interstate 69. The reason they were questioning him is because he traveled in the area where the shootings took place, and he was the insurance adjuster for a damaged sheriff patrol vehicle but he was cleared of any involvement of those shootings. It is kind of weird that he had connections to them. I still kind of wonder if I was like far reaching or if that really had any merit, especially when we go into what happened here on February 20th. But yes, we had some some interviews with law enforcement about those shootings. It's funny how often these, I don't want to even lump him in, but career criminals they seem to be somehow always tied to cases that they're not even the perpetrator of yeah it's weird it's very weird like they get interviewed for things it's like no he actually didn't do that but he was doing this yeah they know who's on the list it's weird it's like you're even a questioned version being i feel like there's written sometimes when people are sus they're sus it's based on profiling too yeah like people (laughs) just like yeah a guy could be involved in this i don't know but seems like it yeah Well, let's get into it, guys. In the early afternoon hours of February 20th, 2016, Jason Dalton went to three different gun stores with a friend. At one of the gun stores, he purchased a black jacket with pockets designed to conceal a handgun. Though the store owner said Dalton was in good spirits during the visit, the friend who accompanied Dalton said that he was a little more quiet than normal during the trip, very clearly thinking about something. Dalton was an occasional customer at the same store, but had never purchased a firearm there before. He just seemed to come in, bruise around. But shortly after 4 p.m., Matt Millen requested an Uber pickup to drive him over to a friend's house. He was picked up at 421 by Dalton, who was driving a silver Chevrolet Equinox. During the drive, Dalton received a call. 
And after finishing, he allegedly started driving crazy. Though this call later was said to be his son asking him to pick up food at a local wind shop, it still was reported that he started acting erratic after this call. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes wings send me over the edge too. I'm wondering what the pattern was leading up to this. At one point during his drive with Mellon, he entered an oncoming lane of traffic, drove through a median strip, ignored a stop sign, and sideswiped a Ford Taurus, all the while ignoring Mellon's pleas to stop. Oh my God, that's a fear. But isn't that insane? Like, can you imagine if you are the helpless passenger in a car and they start going berserk? After a call about wings, my man. Wings? And the wings were PM. So, like, oh. Or maybe they were like, arguing about flavor. I mean, what flavors do you guys put of wings? What? Who's are we talking about? Anyone's. Have you ever had Back to the Future shout out? They're the best. I have not, but I've heard they're really good. They just moved down the street. No, they did. And I'm sad, but I'm happy for them. Yeah, they're sad because now it's far away. Far away. When Dalton came to a stop at another stop sign, Melin jumped out and called 911. And the dispatcher put out a bolo, is what it's called. Be on the lookout. And it was a notification I put on the vehicle. So be on the lookout is obviously like, alerting all the police and all the authorities in the area. Hey, there's this car. Look out for it because something's going on. As you can hear, it kind of sounded as if the operator was writing off the complaint as if it was something that wasn't a serious matter. And for those who didn't listen to the 911 call, if you were sensitive to that type of thing, it was basically Matt just saying, hey, I just got out of an Uber and he's driving erratically and super unsafe. Please, like, like get him. Matt reached out to his fiance about the encounter. Of course, he was super shaken up. And she wrote an interesting Facebook post that said, Attention Keizu peeps. This Uber driver named Jason drives a silver Chevy Equinox is not a safe ride. A little bit ago, my fiance got a ride with him and he was driving very erratically. They sideswiped a car blowing through the stop shot sign at Henderson Castle and West Main Hill. And the driver continued driving. Then this man proceeded to drive 80 miles per hour down West Main, swerving in and out of oncoming traffic. Despite Matt pleading with the driver to pull over, he refused. Finally, when he slowed down the vehicle, Matt was able to get out. He was acting completely normal throughout this total erratic driving. Please share if you're in the Keizu area. Stay safe. 911 was called, but surprisingly, they didn't seem all that concerned. I'm thankful that no one was hurt yet. Hoping this man will be arrested or hospitalized if he has a medical condition causing this behavior. I thought that was just like a little interesting tidbit to put in here. We'll definitely post it as well. You guys can read it on your own. But it sounds like there was a lot of people talking about Dalton. And more 911 calls started to come in from other drivers who were witnessing the erratic driving of Dalton, which I will play here as well. At 4.34, Dalton returned home and then called his wife 41 minutes later, asking her for the keys to their Hummer H3. They agreed to meet at his parents' residence located approximately 10 miles away, which is 16 kilometers if anyone was curious. I know we have some people over the pond who listen here, so I just want to shout out. Oh. Yeah. Even though Dalton asked his wife to meet him with their Hummer, he accepted another pickup request from his Uber app at 5.15 from a woman who wanted him to pick up her boyfriend at Richland Township apartment complex. 
However, Jason got lost trying to find the pickup point of the scheduled ride, which we're all going to be thankful for in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Investigators believe that Dalton's request for an Uber ride at the apartment complex had become botched. The requester texted Dalton moments after the initial request with a correction of the address, which would have led him to another location in the same area. She later attempted to call him to follow up with him on the address correction, but Dalton did not respond. A witness later reported seeing an equinox driving, quote, so aggressively, end quote, towards the apartment, at one point cutting him off at a southbound curve and risking a head-on collision. He later recognized Dalton on the news as the Equinox's driver. A lot of people have come into contact with Dalton now and his erratic driving and erratic behavior. But around 5.42, according to the woman, she was confronted by a man in a vehicle with a German Shepherd-type dog sitting in the back. The driver asked her if she was another person by a different name, whom was believed to be the original Uber caller. When she replied that she was not, the man drove away just to stop a few feet later, turning his car around. He pulled up next to the woman, pulled out a gun, and fired repeatedly at her. She survived by playing dead. Hell to the yeah. That is my, like, instinct. I'm going to literally play dead. Yeah. Oh, my God. And he fired 15 rounds at her. Seemingly for no reason, random woman. Nothing, no, no relation to him at all. This is like, in some ways to me, and I know I've talked about it ad nauseum, is reminiscent of the Son of Sam case where you're just literally driving around with a gun waiting for someone to shoot. And to me, that feeling of nothing is safe, no one is safe, like random crime literally keeps me up. Do you guys remember the really, really horrifying, don't look it up because the video is out there, Case where that guy drove up to an old man, said to this, and yeah. then shot him in the face. I'll never forget that my entire life. I've seen the video. Yep, because uh, it was on awful. Facebook. It's awful. People are scary. Human beings are the scariest mammal of them all. Ten shell casings were recovered at the scene of the first shooting of that woman where the 15 rounds were fired. Five children, including the woman's daughter, were present at the scene of the shooting, but they escaped unharmed through her efforts of playing dead. Now, at 6.05, approximately 20 minutes after the first shooting occurred, Dalton called the requester saying that he hadn't responded to her text and that he could not do the ride because something had come up. Mind you, he shot this completely random woman who was not waiting for a ride. Can you imagine if he showed up to the real ride? Or being the person you requested and finding this all out afterwards. That's what I was just going to say. One minute after the shooting, Dalton's Equinox was seen driving through a red traffic light at an intersection approximately one mile away from the crime scene. It struck another vehicle and fled the scene with the driver calling 911 to report the crash. And here's that 911 call. At around the same time, a neighbor found the injured woman who was soon treated by responding emergency, per emergency personnel. Thankfully, they were able to get to her quickly and she survived the attack. Later on, Dalton allegedly met with his wife and children at his parents' home that was originally agreed upon to get the Hummer in the Comstock Township. He explained to his wife that the Equinox had been sideswiped by a disgruntled taxi driver in a Chevrolet Impala who fired a gunshot at him due to rage at having his business taken away by Uber. What an interesting story to come up with after being a complete nutcase. 
He then assured his wife that he called Uber and they were handling the incident of the shooting in the side. So I think that didn't happen. Obviously, in this case, Dalton is the aggressor and he's just trying to act like he's not. He also provided his wife with a 9mm Taurus handgun, telling her it was not safe to be at the house without it. In addition, he instructed her to not go to work and to not take their children to school. Dalton then attempted to leave in the Fire H3, but it wouldn't start. He took back, he took the black Chevrolet HHR that his wife had been driving. It's interesting to think that he was changing vehicles, and it makes you wonder why. Because when you're an Uber driver, is assuming that you only have one vehicle that's attached to your person, right? Like, you don't have a million vehicles to use. If you can do it, it's with two cars total, if you can do multiple. And some people, you can either rent from Uber or you can drive your car, but you can't have two of your own car. I don't remember exactly. I only have one car, so I'm not really sure. I also think it's interesting because, I mean, obviously Dalton's mindset at this point is just unfathomable. But, like, he's, if I'm understanding this correctly, giving his wife that vehicle that has been, like, alerted, the bolo's out, and he's like, okay, take the kids home in this car. Yeah. Things like they have a lot of cars for second. Well, great. That's why, I, like I said, I'm not sure if I'm understanding it correctly. Yeah, because they have the Hummer H3, a black Chevrolet, and the Equinox that he was originally driving. The Hummer wouldn't start. He took the Chevrolet, meaning the wife would then be in that Equinox. You would think. As he left, he told his wife, who was obviously super concerned and confused, that he could not tell her what was going on, but that it would be on the news, which is definitely a concerning thing to hear from your spouse. Hey, I can't tell you that, but you're going to see it later. Okay, that's horrifying. And also at this point, she's thinking he was involved in a road rage accident, but that he was the victim. He did say, I got shot out and a text driver slammed into me, but they did it because they're pissed I'm an Uber driver, is what he told his wife. After leaving, Dalton withdrew money from an automated teller machine at 644. Then, after driving for 35 minutes, he allegedly returned to his house and switched handguns. He then left at 737 and continued accepting Uber requests, which he carried out without incident. To me, it's very calculated, the whole thing. I just wonder what, what the whole, I'm going to Uber drive for an hour or so without any other issues like what is happening I wonder how he was in those like uber rides like if he was still being erratic or if he was just because he they said it was without incident and mind you he switched cars now the car that they're looking out for is not the one he's driving maybe no honestly i don't know but maybe he's doing this and waiting for the right opportunity the erratic drive yeah. i can't explain but who knows i mean we'll talk about it for sure yeah None of the passengers in the Uber rides that he was taking from 737 for a little bit noticed anything unusual or alarming about him, which is also really creepy. You just, you just shot someone in the face. And you're acting normal. And you're acting normal. And you're like, erratically drove, smashed a couple cars. Like, something's up. Later that night at 826, Dalton called his wife and told her not to call her parents. At, which is, why, what? At 10.01, Dalton arrived at a Kia dealership in Kalamazoo. According to a witness, after parking his car, the shooter approached her boyfriend and his father at 10.05 and asked them what they were looking at. Before they could respond, he fired approximately 18 rounds, fatally striking both males. Other witnesses who were at a nearby Burger King in the parking lot across the street recorded the shooter fleeing and one called 911 a minute after the shots were filed. 
About 10 minutes later, a third shooting occurred outside a Cracker Barrel restaurant in Texas Township, located about five miles from the Kia dealership. Four people were seated inside two vehicles. All of them were killed and one was wounded. The shooter reportedly approached one victim inside a white van, asked her a question regarding if she had cash on her, and then shot her before shooting into an adjacent vehicle which contained the other victim. The shooting took about one minute before he fled, and that's where the one survived and the rest passed away. He was alleged to have returned home and relighted his gun again. And later, neighbors said that Dalton had been acting paranoid about right before the shootings occurred. Something was going on with Dalton. That's very, very clear from all accounts. Spiraling. Absolutely. Yeah. Like truly spiraling. And which is concerning. Like that's so concerning. After officers responded to the scene of the Kia dealership shooting, heard reports of gunfire at Cracker Bale, they realized there might be a mobile active shooter. Interviewing witnesses, police learned the gunman was driving a dark-colored Chevrolet HHR, which again was the car that he took from his wife when he switched vehicles at her parents' house. Using newly installed security footage from the Kia dealership, police put out a description of the gunman over their radio. The Kalamazoo Department of Public Safety issued a statement for the public on its Facebook page. Interesting way to announce this, but they warned residents to be on the lookout for the shooter and his vehicle. Numerous traffic stops of vehicles matching the description of the gunmen's were also conducted. They were actively looking for Jason Dawn at this point. In addition, multiple reports of gunfire at several locations, including the Western Michigan University campus, were investigated but ultimately determined to be false. As police continued the manhunt, Dolan reported they continued to accept Uber fares. This man just won't quit. Still rolling. And this was an all-day event, right? He started driving early that morning, and now it takes us to 12.04 a.m. on February 21st. He picked up three people and dropped them off at a dormitory on the WNU campus. The passengers got out without incident, and they later recalled that the driver wasn't too friendly, but they had no alarm bells going off about him. He just seemed like another driver, which really freaks you out because it does make you think this is kind of off topic. But have you guys, the answer is going to be no, but I'm going to ask anyways. Have you guys ever seen the movie, the horror movie, The House of October Bell? No. The premise of the movie, it's so good. I hated the ending, but the premise is really good. The whole premise is it's a documentary crew doing a documentary on haunted houses and the fact that nobody like background check works there. Just an angle person. Kind of same thing. Like Uber does do background checks, obviously. But it's interesting to think like when you're getting an Uber, even a taxi, you don't know who you're getting in the car with. It is a very strange idea when you think about it. Now that I get an Uber that like this, who is this? What's their past? What's their situation? Well, I talk to people for that reason and just be like, yeah, like you lived here long. Where are you from? What do you like about Uber? What makes you want to do this? Yeah. It is a great service. Like it yeah. gives people who need a ride a ride. Not all of us are taking them on weekends when we're drinking. There's people who need to get their kids to school, get their ride to work, get their ride to pick up their parents. Yeah. Whatever. It is scary, though, at least because I agree with you that they'll pretty much take anybody that doesn't have a serious criminal record. Yeah, and you don't have to have a serious criminal record to be a criminal. Absolutely. But what's also interesting, too, is we're going to cover more cases that had to do with Uber because, unfortunately, Uber just opened up a can of worms for people and one and anyone. Yep. Everyone and anyone to be a driver. But there's a few other cases that we're going to cover that are very creepy that have to do with Uber drivers and both 
from the passenger being the perpetrator to the drivers also being the perpetrator. So it's very interesting to think about. But anywho, those passengers recalled that Donald wasn't really acting any different. He wasn't like super friendly. He wasn't like chatting them up, but he wasn't like doing anything that freaked them out. Just got them from point A to point B, which is all you really expect. You hope. So later at 12.12, Dalton picked up four people. Remember, this is 12.12 a.m., February 21st, and this started in the morning of February 20th. Dalton picked up four people and drove them to the hotel. During the ride, one passenger who had been hearing reports of the shooting, Bree, jokingly asked Dalton, quote, are you the shooter? End quote. Dalton simply replied, no. Why would you? First of all, what if you going to be like, yep, what was you expecting? I mean, I'm guessing if it was 12, 12, this, this dude was probably drunk and just trying to joke around. But like, I'd, what an interesting joke to make to the person who is responsible for the crime. I'd be kind of nervous to be taking an Uber tonight. If I was drunk, I might just jog it. But yeah, that's still, I mean, if, if he was well aware of the situation and say, hey, man, it's a book. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. A few minutes later, he picked up another three people. And just like the previous ride, a passenger asked if he was the shooter, which Dalton vehemently denied. First of all, he's in a different car. Maybe because they were now putting out descriptions of him. They were kind of like, like, what in the, like, what are you, you're sitting in his car at his mercy. What? I'm not going to ask anybody. Hey, have you committed a murder today? It's not the first question I'd go with, honestly. I don't think it'd be the second or third either. I always do ask, like, what? craziest rides that they've had are where the chip probably should stop doing. everyone else. but currently crimes he's committed i don't think we can take his words why are you even asking yeah it's not like he's gonna come right out and say it well, what if he did though that's about to be second six and seven. <laughs> yeah, like, what's the next were you gonna stop drop and roll out of the carpet what what was the plan there i'm sorry if i'm face to face with someone i thought I killed someone i'm gonna wait to ask them those questions when I'm, I'm safe and i'm able to protect myself at 12.36, a police sergeant with the Kalamazoo County Sheriff's Office observed Dalton dropping off three passengers and recognized him, followed him, and requested backup. Clearly, the description that they had was good. And at this point, they didn't have the correct car because that's what he was driving at the Kia dealership, as well as the Crackle Barrel. Cracker Barrel. Crack. Yeah, I know. Crack. I've been there many times and my brain just isn't working. Crackle Barrel. When additional officers arrived, the first two pulled Dalton out of his vehicle and arrested him. At the time of his arrest, Donald was wearing a jacket he purchased from the gun store along with a bulletproof vest. He told police that he bought the vest for his son who was an explorer for the Kalamazoo County Sheriff's Office. But they did end up finding a handgun at the back of his waistband. Police believe none of the victims at the separate scenes were connected, and at least 30 rounds were said to have been fired during the shooting. Wow. Yeah. Let's get into the investigation. After his arrest, Dalton confessed to committing the shooting. He wasn't playing any games. He said what he needs to say. This is where things get a little wild. And Matt, this is my job. Your memory from the case originally when we covered it. Mm-hmm. He blamed his shooting spree on the Uber mobile app, claiming that the symbol of the app resembled the order of the Eastern Star and that it took over his body during the event after he pressed the button of a new app resembling the devil when it abruptly popped up. Quote, and here's a quote from a detective, Bill Moran, 
who said, quote, Dalton then explains how when he opens up the Uber taxi app, a symbol appeared and he recognized that symbol as the Eastern Star symbol. Dalton acknowledged that he recognized the Uber symbol as being that of the Eastern Star and a devil head popped up on his screen. And when he pressed the button on the app, that's when all the problems started. And Michigan State Police Detective Kyle Gora wrote in his report that Dolan said that he hadn't been sleeping well because the Uber app wouldn't let him shut down. Matt, have you had these problems when you were in Uber? Because I sure haven't. I bet slap that motherfucker right back to hell. I'm both. That's like, hell no, you're not stopping me today, bitch. Getting platinum motherfucker. Like, what? I mean, listen, we'll talk about it when we talk for eye for an eye, but it, it definitely sounds like he was going through something beyond comprehension. Right? According to Forum's report, Dalton also talked about how he received a message on his phone to, quote, plug in an auxiliary cable into his car, along with the power source for his phone and a Bluetooth. And on February 20th, which is when this all occurred, he was asked to take an assignment from Uber, and when he got into his car, he began driving really fast. And he advised that something had come into his car. Dalton, therefore, it says, claimed that Uber app commuted with him to with dings, with one ding meaning yes and two dings meaning no. He also told the sergeant things began to get really weird, and he freaked out after symbols popped up on his Uber app asking him to join, which he agreed to do. Dalton told Gorman the Uber app on his phone was to blame, claiming the app took over his Chevrolet Equinox and later his body, and said that things began to get really weird in the hours before the shootings. He later said that he was no longer experiencing these problems. What? And it is important to note that police did indicate that he had no known criminal history or no known mental health record. There was no record of him having any of these delusions or hallucinations or whatever we're going to call it. Stories, depending on what you believe in this case, if he's bullshitting after he's telling the truth, there was no records of him having these issues prior, according to police. Two days before it happened, Carol, which is Stone's wife, noticed that her husband was a little down and had asked him about it. And Dalton responded that he was just tired from all the driving. Some told police that Dalton had once talked of, quote, choking and killing, end quote, the family cat, then leaving it on the marital bed. I mean, like, you, it's all right if you're not a cat person, but that's going uh, a little bit more. Killing animals is like the cardinal sign of something that's not right with you. What does the cat have anything to do with it is what I'm saying. Why you got to bring the cat into this, Trace? She angles out, right? Leave the animals alone. I mean, if you got problems, tell somebody. But what? Well, when... The deputies were told about this. Obviously, they asked his wife, like, hey, did this happen? And she confirmed that six or seven years ago, she had found their cat, Leo, rest in peace, dead, lying where it usually slept on their bed. She assumed it had died of natural causes. That's so sad. It's awful. Justice for Leo. Yeah. Seriously. We're including that in his sentencing, all right? When we're talking about that. Here's an interesting little tidbit that I wanted to bring up before we talk about the full case. A GQ article actually covered this case, and the title of that article is called The Uber Killer, The Real Story of One Night of Terror. And they say something interesting, and here I'm going to quote them directly. Quote, all of the following explanations would be offered, often with great conviction, to explain what Jason Dolan had done. Again, 
my little side of here. This is what Jason had blamed his shooting spree on. These are all different explanations he gave at different times. Here we go. Mental illness, family breakdown, withdrawals from antidepressants, quote, maybe a spooky demon possessed him. And it spooked nonetheless. He had been fired. He was a sleeper agent activated by a phone call. He was coming down from meth. He was sexually frustrated. He was disappointed by Marco Rubio. Or showing on the <laughs> it was a primal expression of free will. It was being a fat man denied his lunch break. High levels of lead in his blood. Chantix anti-smoking pills. Big pharma. Grief over the death of Justice Scalia. A brain tumor. Elevator music. Money problems. And Beyonce's halftime performance at the Super Bowl. Oh, dear. He was... <laughs> Beyonce's halftime performance. Yeah, <laughs> right. His behavior was said to be variously the fault of Donald Trump, Jeff W. Bush, Barack Obama, Michael Bloomberg, liberals in general, too many guns in America, too few guns in America, Uber in general, Uber's last hiring policies, Uber's low pay rates, Mossad, and the Illuminati. Mossad? He blamed Mossad. He literally That's took so the Israeli intelligence service to it. It was these fuckers are responsible too. And you know what? The uh, rest of that all pissed me off. But the the best part too is this is a quote from good old Jason Dalton. He said, "Quote: Do something that seems unfathomable, and then sit there and say nothing, and a nation blinkered psyche will be imprinted upon you." Well, that sounds prophetic. Except. <laughs> You are a bitch, my friend. That's all you're saying is everybody else's problem. Like, Mark. this is the, the most insane group of things, but it makes me, it fills me with something deeper to read it out loud. The the whole uh, spooky demon possessed him, a sleeper agent activated by a phone call, coming down from Matt, sexually frustrated. His wife was probably like, ah, <sighs> where? This motherfucker, like, couldn't even do shit for it. But let's talk about the charges that he faced, and then we're going to get into our eye-for-an-eye discussions here. On February 22nd, the shootings happened on February 20th, Dolan was arraigned on 16 charges, including six counts of murder, two counts of assault with intent to commit murder, and eight counts of using a firearm during the commission of a felony. Apparently, just they gave up on the whole, like, broom stuff. Mm-hmm. He was to appear in court on March 10th for a preliminary examination hearing. On March 3rd, though, he was ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation to determine his competence to stand trial. He reappeared on court on April 22nd, where it was ruled by the Michigan Center for the Forensic Psychiatry that he was found competent to stand trial. As Subio Solis, Former Calhoun County Chief Assistant Prosecutor and a former Calhoun County Commissioner was appointed to represent Dalton in court. Now, can you imagine being his representation when that paragraph is all of the things that he rattled off, thinking that that's the reason that this happened? Interesting. Interesting to say the least. Dalton appeared on May 20th, May. May. Uh, Always May. It's always in May. For a preliminary hearing to determine if there was enough evidence to try him on the charges. During the hearing, Dalton made a verbal outburst and interrupted Tiana Carruthers, who was the first victim attacked. Remember, we said she survived yeah. the shootings. And he interrupted her while she was testifying, which if I was her, I would be in a test. I had a man slaying something to him. What an asshole. He reportedly made somewhat indecipherable statements and caused Carruthers to cry, forcing a recess to be called. 
Someone should have just knocked him out. Dolt was restrained and removed from the courtroom by sheriff deputies. The hearing resumed later in the day with Dalton participating in video hookup from jail. He was Skyping. Yeah. He was like in timeout. Yeah. On June 6th, following a pre-trial conference, Dalton's attorney announced their plans to present a legal insanity defense for their client. He was to undergo a psychiatric evaluation conducted by the Michigan Center of Forensic Psychiatry in Saline, which is a process that was expected to be carried out in the 60 days from when it began. It's kind of a lengthy process. I mean, it's not like like a day, like a very thorough. extensive and thorough yeah. like interview process. His trial was tentatively expected to start in late September or early October, and his conference was tentatively set for August 15th. Now, on August 12th, the conference was postponed to September 30th with the Kalamazoo chief assistant prosecutor saying that the evaluation had not yet been finished. They were really diving this. Even though he was found originally mentally competent to stand trial, it seems like they were reevaluating, you know, the situation here. On that day, the conference was delayed yet again because Dalton's psychological report was not yet finished. They really were taking their time. The defense argued that Dalton told police the night of his arrest he didn't want to talk to them and that he wanted an attorney. However, police said they continued to question Dalton under a public safety provision to determine if there were any other victims who had not been found. Solis argued that police went far beyond what is permitted under that exception. He argued that a second interview by a state police detective the next day also should not have been conducted because Dalton had asked for his constitutional right to an attorney. Prosecutors argued the statement should be admitted at trial because they fell under the public safety exception and because the state police were a second department and Dalton eventually agreed to talk with the detective. Kalamazoo County Assistant Prosecutor Jeff Williams also argued that Dalton initially evoked his Fifth Amendment rights, one being interviewed by Michigan State Police Detective Kyle Gorham, but later initiated a conversation about the investigation and that, in turn, waived his right. The Kalamazoo County Sheriff's Office had released more than 50 pages of jail incidents involving Dalton under the Freedom of Information Act. A June 16th report documents a phone call of Dalton's the deputy listened in on. And they said, Quote, Deason explains how he would like to not shoot the guards that have mistreated him, but cut them with a knife. He then describes how he would like to cut their throats and take one of his K-bars, which is a military-style knife, and shove it through their skulls. End quote. Seems like a very logical, reasonable human being, this guy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but do we think... Did he forget that people listen to these calls? Did he know people were listening to the calls? In this jail? And hope to sing oh, that it would go towards his insanity defense. <laughs> That's a good question, Jules, honestly. Like, how does that prove insanity? I mean, he's having homicidal thoughts for sure, but it also sounds like this guy is just yeah. an asshole. Well, Donna also mentioned in the phone call where he was saying he wanted to use the K-bars and shove them through their skulls. That he wanted to kill a deputy, saying if he couldn't be with his kids, the deputy shouldn't be able to either. One of Dalton's cellmates... Well, the deputy didn't murder anyone? One of Dalton's cellmates told deputies that he thought De Dalton's mental state was deteriorating. And the cellmate told a deputy, Dalton said the sheriff's star represents the devil's cross. Here we go again. And said Dalton thought human sacrifices were being conducted in the place of the jail. Wow. Okay, maybe that insanity defense was a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, Frenzy. But oh, God. definitely out there. 
In May 2016, three days after Dalton disrupted the courtroom at his preliminary examination, he assaulted officers while being escorted back into the cell, back into his cell from the bathroom, according to the police report. Dalton refused deputies' commands to return to his cell after using the bathroom, then tried to get past the deputies and aggressively charged at the two deputies. So much so that one of the deputies was sent to Bronson Methodist Hospital for a hand injury, injury that he sustained while trying to assault the two deputies, according to the police report. Yeah. And days before that report, Dalton was seen again displaying bizarre behavior. The behavior that was reported included Dalton howling inside of his cell and Dalton telling the deputy that he forgot how to blink. My God, could you, but I'm sorry, could you imagine if your cellmate is the one that's like fucking howling in his cell and, and not blinking? Yeah. <laughs> howling. Howling. Dolan also tried to escape that same day when a deputy opened a cell door to get a meal. The reports indicated sheriff's officials would pursue charges against Dolan for assaulting police officers, but under Sheriff Pali Matayat said that he did not know if a case was submitted to the Kalamazoo County Prosecutor's Office for that specific case. Now, in April 2017, a deputy found Dalton had scratched a message in pencil above his cell door, which read, I gave you everything. Don't let me down. You let me down. Excellent. Now you burn. End quote. An inmate also told deputies Dalton had solicited him to burn down Dalton's house in exchange for all of the flat screen televisions in his house. Wait, why does he even care to take TVs? He's going to set the house up for That's what I'm hearing. TV? Right. It's like everything in your house is gone. Yeah. But still got cinematic. Yeah. Don't worry about it. So that same day, the deputy also found excessive amounts of garbage, which included 30 bars of soap, several rolls of toilet paper, drink packets, staples, and mis- hot damn staples. staples. That should be a novel. <laughs> and miscellaneous food items for a meal. Dalton was written up and he faced an additional 16 charges. Let's talk about it now. Following the shootings, there was a public outcry when it was revealed that there was no active shooter alert that could be sent to the Kalamazoo area residents and students of Western Michigan University. An editorial calling for an emergency alert system such as high-profile incidents was published by Michigan Live six days after the shooting. In March, legislation for a statewide warning system was introduced. This warning system would disseminate information on an active shooter situation or other emergency protect residents. It involved local law enforcement agencies sending the information to the Michigan State Police, who was then responsible for sending the text messages of warning using geolocation technology, similar to the Amber Alert system that we're all familiar with. Now on May 10, one day before my birthday. Happy birthday. It's always something in fucking May. There's certain to be a pattern here that we need in Scott. I know. Take We should write all these down. Right. The Michigan House of Representatives approved that legislation. And on June 9th, the Michigan Senate approved legislation and sent it to the governor Snyder for consideration, which was signed into legislation on June 24th. At this point, when we originally recorded this, the trial still had not happened yet. And that was back in, what, 2018 we recorded this. Let's look and see what the sentence was. Jason and Dalton, what did you get? <laughs> Jury selection was later scheduled to start January 3rd, 2019, with opening statements being scheduled to start January 7th, 2019. 
on January 7th, 2019, Dalton pleaded guilty to all counts against him. On February 5th, 2019, Dalton was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, and he is currently imprisoned at the Oaks Correctional Facility. And then really quickly, I thought that this was interesting. The, like, when all this was going on, Dalton still done a handwritten polygraph background information for he completed on his second day in custody. He wrote for his physical condition now, he wrote feels okay. For hospital, he wrote 2000 to 2009 stitches in right hand. He has stitches for nine years. Person most respected, father, person least respected, none. Best thing, got a job at Michigan appraisal. Worst thing, this plus the consciousness of what happened. Self-concept, okay. How honest on a 1 to 10 rating scale, he rated himself as a 9. It was he ever arrested, Dalton checked the yes box. And then when it was asked what for, he wrote just Just this. Let's talk about it. Do we think that what he was saying, all that babbling he did about Beyonce and all these people and, and spooky demons and being a fat moon denied his lunch break, do we think we need to consider that in sentencing? Like, they did it. Obviously, he got sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. But do we think it should have been considered? I'll let you two take that away. I don't really have an answer to that question. But his mental state is unstable enough that he should not be out in the world. And effectively, that is happening through his sentencing. I don't know. I'd say he was clearly crazy and i hate to generalize that as again we always overuse that word but when we're talking about like legally insane maybe not because he was where aware of what he was doing and how much he did. was he though seemed like it i mean he's honestly cognizant of it but he just blames a lot of other things for it like i can't say that he's necessarily not fit to be on trial but i don't think he's I agree with Jules. He shouldn't be out here walking around. But do we think guys who see him in subway or he might be a Uber driver? No. But, but like in follow up to that, do we think you would have been better suited in like a mental health facility versus a jail? Jail. Honestly, to me, it sounds like he went a little bit too far. And, and again, maybe I'm being callous, but to me, it sounds like he went a little too far down the line before he was like, oh, I'm going to just pick different stuff to blame. Like, yeah. Like, was he playing? Insane, or do we think that's legit? I mean, I'm reading his. He, I mean, he wrote back this polygraph test, right? I'm reading his results of this polygraph, and I'm saying th this isn't a guy who's totally unaware of where he's at. Most respected father, best thing, got a job at Michigan appraisal. He remembers the good things. What have you been in trouble for? Just this. To me, that's very. He knows what he did, and it's not like he wasn't aware of it. He just is a little out there and might be what led him to do this, obviously. But at the same time, do I think he's legally insane? No, I don't see that. He should be in jail for what he did. Well, and, and to that point, Matt, like what you said earlier, he says there's no other known case of him acting this way. Like you can't just, I know people have breaks psychotic break you know whatever but you would think that we'd see other things happening i mean i know the cat thing was awful and weird but see wonder was this going on much longer the rape 
that's what I would need to know in order to say that if he was mentally to stay in trial and the information you have now he was and I still wonder if he was playing up some of that because he knew people were listening and like he knew he saw me like would be like hey he's fucking howling in here that's what it gets and so he wants to kill the guards and stab knives in their brain yeah I agree Jules do we think the punishment fit the crime that he got life in prison without the possibility of parole do we think that's a fair sentence me anyone yeah you know, he needs to be kept away from normal society. Mm-hmm. There's too much in question about his mental health to say he should have been put to death. We are thanked now because he is away. It goes to the original thought that I had. You do the crime, you do the time. He killed his family cat. He clearly snapped. We'll give him that, but... He killed multiple people. He tried to kill multiple more people. Mm -hmm. He was riding around changing cars, changing gun. Did he change clothes? He's saying, I don't even remember eating that day. That's where the things pissed him off. Like, come on. To me, he was very well aware of what he was doing. Yeah. I also think, though, I want to make the point. For someone like this, this is why we need better resources in the corrections departments. Because... He should be receiving psychological counseling and not amongst a group of his peers. He should be receiving individual psychological counseling, but he should not be in a mental health facility that's like strictly for people who are either criminally insane or feel like they could be redeemed somehow. Yeah. I I don't see that with him. He's just a one-time perpetrator and he should probably go to jail for what he did for the rest of his life. And that's exactly what he got. I agree with you. And Jules, I think you both are spot on with really... I don't think he should be in society with everybody else. It's like free shooters to me have a weird, like, they have a specific place in the criminal justice system. If that mm-hmm. for me to say. Ones that are seriously struggling from some sort of break with reality. He fits more into this group of just went on a shooting spree. And yeah, and tried to take that to, like you said, up that to maybe, you know, look like I'm more out there than I really am. But I blaming everything by pulling it all these random things out of his life and saying that's the cause of what I've done. I don't see that. He deserves to go to jail. And I did. You guys are both spot on. I, I agree with both of what, all of what you said. And yeah, he's where he needs to be. And this is a good case, very interesting to cover. And I wonder what our listeners here think. Let us know. We're super open and receptive to all opinions and and we'd love to hear it. We'd love to hear what you think about this case. Do you think he broke with reality? Do you think that was a ruse? Do you I'm, think... I'd like to hear the argument if somewhere hasn't that he belongs in a mental health facility. Yeah. I would. I honestly think there's there's credibility to that point, but mm-hmm. I'd like to hear someone articulate it. So well, guys, it. that wraps up our episode here on Jason Dalton. Thanks for sticking with us through this. If you're a longtime listener... You probably skipped this episode because there was a little bit of a hiccup with the recording. We hope we brought you some new perspective, more details, and some interesting tidbits on the case. We're happy you're with us, and we hope to see you guys or be with you guys next week with another episode of I've Heard Rate, review, subscribe, go check out our merch, go check out our Patreon. We have a lot of cool, exclusive things. A little birdie told me that maybe we have a TikTok in the works. We'll see if that all works out.
Facebook. We're always on there chatting it up with you guys about different cases. Love to have you join our groups over there. Everything's eye for iPod. If you have a case you want us to cover, email us at eye for iPod at gmail.com or DM us on any of the associated social medias. Have a wonderful rest of your morning, new night, everybody. And we hope to hang out with y'all next week. Bye. Holla.